Hi, I'm Warren. And I'm Adam, and we work for the Sanguine Writing House, which is the UK's leading provider of online and in-person strategy and team building games. And this is the next episode of Minefield. And in today's show, we're joined by uh, Charlie Bethel, who's the Chief Officer of Men's Sheds. So welcome, Charlie. Um, thank you for your time today. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and, and Men's Sheds, if you would? Yeah, sure. Hi, and uh, thanks for having me on. Um, I, I work for UK Men's Sheds, um, which are not wooden boxes, um, although we do talk about the, the fantastic um, transformational nature of wooden boxes um, or sheds. Um, I mean, Men's Sheds are effectively workshops. They're spaces for men to go and make stuff make stuff, do stuff, um, and that can be upcycling, um, it can be repurposing, it can be taking things apart and trying to put them back together again. Um, but by having that space, men and indeed women um, are mm. able to, to make something for themselves, for the community, uh, for their friends, for their family. Um, and in doing so, it has an incredible transformational uh, impact on lives. Um, why do they work? Um, we, we use an analogy, which is if you put 12 men in a room and ask them to fix, uh, um, sorry, talk about themselves, and it has to be a square room, um, six will leave immediately and six will try to find the corners of the room because men don't like talking about themselves yeah. um, generally um, and, and definitely don't like talking about feelings. However, if you put a lawnmower in the middle of the room and ask them to fix it, in, um, in two hours, they will know each other intimately. They'll know how they take their tea, their coffee, um, the names of their children or grandchildren, and also what ails them. And you might or you might not get a fixed lawnmower. But for sure, there'll be some nuts and screws left over on the sides, <laughs> which is always the case. But, um, so, so, yeah, so that's a shed. And, and it's, it builds upon the idea that men will talk shoulder to shoulder about their feelings or about what's worrying them. Um, rather than face-to-face. -face. Um, there's some research now in America which suggests that the um, endorphins are released in a woman's brain when they make a friendship group, generally, but that right. doesn't happen in a men's mind, in a man's mind. And um, so, um, so that, you know, that's one reason. The other reason is we're, we're generally quite miserable and happy with being miserable at the age of 23 onwards. Um, miserable yeah. men, it's, it starts early and continues. Um, but yeah, no, there's some, joking aside, there's some evidence now of why we don't behave in the same way as, as women. And we're also in a, in a culture of manning up and, you know, big boys yeah. don't cry. So we don't talk about our feelings. Um, and whilst that's changing at a younger age, maybe it's still not changing completely. And it definitely isn't there in, when you look at the older groups of, of no. men in particular. Yeah, I suppose it's good as well. I think it, as you get... As you do get older, finding friendship groups is harder to do, isn't it? You, you know, it's, I know well, I struggle yeah. with that. It's... Yeah, very much. And there's a number of factors again. So, you know, it might not resonate with everyone, but I moved to the village where my wife was, my wife grew up and we moved here because my wife's mother wasn't very well. And so the friendship groups of, of mine who are dotted around the country in fairness from when I was at college, but you know, they're, they're all over the place. And so it's not the same. They're not my friendship groups necessarily here as, as they were um, no. 
when I when I was back at home and um, and so that that's part of it. We do that, but also where do you go if it's not going down the pub for a drink? Where do men where do men congregate? You know, it could be sport, but not everybody does sport, and then not everybody is well enough or um, injury free enough to do sport. Um, yeah. You know, and it's not the same just going and watching because you're on the edge of a you know basketball court or a football pitch. Um, and it, it's not the same camaraderie and engagement that you might get if you were playing five-a-side football or um, a bit of 3x3 basketball or, or something. And then there are sports that are pretty lonely anyway. You know, jogging can be quite lonely. Swimming, they're not known for their social circles, I don't think. Yeah. So how did it how did it start? What are the kind of the origins of men's sheds, Charlie? Right. So as, as somebody involved in sport in my past life and still, um, I would say that it's not Australian and that we invented it in the 60s uh, with a charity called Sons of Men or a, char- a group called Sons of Man. But um, in reality, it came from Australia. Um, it's an Australian okay. idea. Um, and they were looking at men on the farms, living on their own, high suicide, high alcoholism um, rates. Um and, and, you know, a different culture in Australia, but, you know, they weren't communicating, men weren't coming together, you know, quite lonely lifestyles. So they developed the sheds as a concept. And in Australia, there are well over 950 sheds that are open. Um, some of them are hangars, um, in fact, quite a lot of them. So they've got, you know, a reasonable amount of space, but they build boats and they build, you know, all sorts of things there. And yeah. so that concept um, came over, here, the first shed opened in 2009. Uh, the association I work for um, started in 2013 um, as a group, became a charity in, in 15, but we started just just over nine years ago. Um, and the idea is that sheds are generally autonomous. So some sheds follow a model where somebody employs somebody to support that shed. Um, our approach, which is in the majority and the more sustainable approaches, is that we support that shed to be set up. We support it with advice, knowledge, um, volunteers that, that help. Um, and then that shed um, is owned by the members, supported by the members, developed by the members. So they've got the skin in the game, really. And they um, they raise money for it, find find a venue, which is one of the more challenging, challenging aspects of setting up a shed. Um, and then they do as they as they want as a group so you know if they want to make um you know 800 robins to support the local community or you know 75 bird boxes or bug hotels or if they want to make a ship or a coracle or a coffin that's that's what they do um you know they're charitable by the the nature um of what they do supporting the community supporting each other um and we see fantastic fantastic results we did a um, we did a survey with over 500 shedders. 96% um, of those that said they were lonely before joining a shed said they were no longer lonely. And in a similar way, 88% sorry, um, 88% more connected to the community. Uh, 97% made new friends. So 3% are still yeah, over there and not wanting to make friends. But you know everybody else is, is moving in that direction, which is a good movement. Um, 75% reduction in depression and 89% reduction in anxiety. So wow. huge impact, although that being a self-declaration one, um, we have now got an external uh, piece of research going on, but that is showing at least a 50% reduction um, of loneliness from the, everybody that's being asked. So, you know, a huge impact. 
That's yeah. amazing. I, that truly is amazing. I suppose because it works on on many different levels as well, doesn't it? Because like you you've got a group of people who, by nature, just become friends and with a shared kind of interest. But then you've got that massive sense of accomplishment if you know when you're doing something for your community or you know you're fixing things and your own self worth just becomes yeah. more. And that is huge. And and it's exactly that. I mean, people go for different reasons. It works for different reasons, but predominantly it's that it's also like creating it's whether I don't know if there's a if there's a God particle within ourselves that, you know, it's that creating it's that ability to make something and that self-worth and also, um, yeah, helping somebody in the community, helping a school. I mean, one shed recently, they won an award uh, with us um, at our shed awards. And they made um, 17 glockenspiels. And then they played them in front of the, you know, and they cut the metal and drilled it so that it all played the different uh, yeah. different notes. And they gave them then to the school and they made a playground for the school. So that sense of achievement, helping the next generation. But you see, you know, you see it all the way through, you know, whether it's painting fences, helping out a neighbour or somebody in the community. Um, you know, it, it's, it's huge. But... But one of the reasons it also works, so there's there's that um, self-rewarding of creating and, and helping somebody else. But also, when you cut a piece of wood, or if you turn a wooden bowl, um, you're concentrating on that. Because if you don't concentrate on that, then you can't cut it properly and you can't cut a straight line. And when you do that, you forget about being lonely, or you forget about your money troubles, or you forget about whatever it is. And there was a, there was a shedder in his 80s who lost his wife, and... Um, his children found out about children, you know, grown grown adults found yeah. out about um, men's sheds, got him involved in one. And the guy was telling me, you know, he was in tears, telling me how he, you know, the shed had been so accepting, had been so um, supportive of him, and 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 he later on was on the radio saying, you know, that he could forget about being lonely, and wow. you know that really is part of the essence. And and another that we quote with one of our campaigns um, to help prevent suicide was um, a daughter and her father had been um, working on his life. They were in Scotland, which isn't where he was from originally. But when he gave up work and retired, his wife developed uh, dementia. And then he was, he was lonely for the first time in his life, lonely because his wife was no longer really there. And then when she later on went into care um, and again, completely lost and, and she, she wrote to us and thanked us for giving her, giving her back her dad um, because he, the shed gave that back, um, gave, gave him his life back. And, you know, he's an incredible volunteer for us and, and for that shed in Scotland. So, um, you know, absolutely mm-hmm. transformational. And people say, you know, sheds are adding years to life and life to years um, or therapy that dare not speak its name. But it's a very non-invasive way. It's not, tell me how you feel. Let's talk about your feelings. How did that affect you? It, it's the guys you know, happily opening up about that. Um, and also around you know, health um, conditions. So sheds are often, we partner with Prostate Cancer UK and other organisations who want people to have the conversation around those conditions. And uh, again, a shed recently told us a case study where one guy had been losing his sight in one eye for 38 years. And when it had eventually gone, the shedders turned around and said, right, okay, we're going to sort this out for you now. You know, we've, you know, this isn't acceptable. 
got him, um, you know, researched it for him, found out what he could do, and he's now fully sighted. You know, 38 years of eye deterioration. And, you know, the miracle cure was the fact that somebody gave a monkeys about him and found it out, you know, had the tools, had the skill set, um, you know, which is no disrespect to anybody else in that guy's family, but they were able to do it and approach it in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's happily sighted. So, um, you know, it's not a miracle cure for everyone, but it, it's part of it's part of the picture of positive mental health and well-being. Yeah. And I suppose when you're doing it as well, it, like you said, it takes your focus off. Because what, when we're experiencing and we're going through things like mental ill health, you become very kind of blinkered and you focus on yourself, don't you? And kind of you, you know, with the focus of, I'm doing this for the community, I'm doing this with other people, I'm doing this with kind of my brothers or... You know, yeah. it's that it, it, you're not focusing inwards anymore. You're kind of looking outwards, and you, you you're looking at what's kind of going on in the community and what you can do for others. And that that yeah. is the transformational bit, isn't it? Yeah, and it stops that because you become self-deprecating, and you know the the tunnel that you go down on depression. You, you know, hopefully, it swings you out at one of those levels and back up again. Um, you know, may, maybe will never be the cure, and you know, it's, it's very complex mental health and our minds work. But it, it, it does give you that respite, and hopefully, that respite can help you then build your resilience. Um, Absolutely. So that, so that you that can then can continue. And yeah, I mean, you know, and if we look at the, the dark side of, of where suicide happens, one of the first sheds um, in the UK, one of the guy, the door was open. They were building the shed inside. They were setting it up. And um, this guy turns up and he just won't stop talking, wouldn't stop talking. And after three months, the, the people that were involved tell us that he turned to them and said, you know, I was going to kill myself before I came here. And it was, he'd, he was basically living on, whether it was five pound a week or five pound a day. He was mending his own shoes and he'd had a, a disagreement for whatever reason with the DSS. And so he was on a lot, a lot less, um, he was on a lot less, um, um, money than he maybe should have been on and so the shed helped him see that there was another purpose in his life another route through he no longer goes to the shed he's got a job he's got a house he's you know he's living life again and I think that's you know that's so powerful and we hear it time and time again we we launched a charter the other day and well so back in March and sheds and people in general public and companies are allowed you know invited to sign up to it and one shed gave an example where one of their sheds stood up and said, you know, if I wasn't here in the shed, I, I wouldn't be here anymore. And it, it just shows the power and the strength of, 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 of what the shed does. And that takes a lot for somebody to admit that, to say that yeah. that's where they were and that was their place. And we developed this and we talk about, you know, where do men go? There was a, there was a guy, his wife approached us. Um, he, he died um, through suicide and he, he was depressed. He had depression and he managed that through playing football and golf. And he broke his leg playing football. So that route, that, um, that medication um, was removed from him. And his wife was with him while he was in hospital. She was conscious of his position. Um, the day that he found out that he would be another year before he could play football again, he did a click and collect, bought a rope, and 30 minutes later he'd ended his life. Um, and so his wife came to us quite cross, you know, like well, about the ability that you can buy a rope and there isn't that health warning on it. 
Um, but also, she said, you know, if only we'd have known about men's sheds, he, he might still be with us. And so we created a charter from this, a, a charter to challenge the craft and DIY sector about thinking about well-being. And um, it could be that you provide zero suicide alliance training to all of your all of your staff. You know, it doesn't cost anything. It's 30 minutes. It's online. It's it's about creating awareness of your colleagues and of yourself and how the language to use when talking about suicide. Um, but it could be that you use men's sheds as a non-invasive way of promoting well-being as well to your employees or to um, people as they're coming through retirement or even in your shop. And actually, if if a, um, a pop-up had come up about men's sheds when somebody was buying that rope, it might make them click on it and see what men's sheds is about because they say that when people are planning their suicide, it's done in advance and you know, but not always the case. Um, and it might be that kind of intervention works um, but but we're aware that when, when somebody's in that place, it, it probably might be too late at that point. But if we can go and promote men's sheds in places where men gather, and so it might not be, and these are stereotypes, so I apologise, but it might not be the paint oil aisle, um, but it might be the oil aisle or the, the screw aisle or the, the power tools, that if there's imagery around men's sheds, um, that might speak to the, to the male audience better than a Samaritan sticker or a um, you know, something that's directly linked to, to mental health. Um, and, you know, the, don't get me wrong, that their signage and imagery works very well, particularly around the railways. But if you're trying to sell ropes, it's not the retailer and the manufacturer aren't going to be very happy with a, with a badge, potentially. Um, but actually, if men's sheds can create that conversation or somebody clicks on it and sees what wellbeing opportunities are out there, that then we can... We, we can assist in that. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's our, um, that, that's our plan. That's what we're trying to. It's trying getting to that do. conversation out there, isn't it? You know, it's, it's yeah. getting the awareness that, you know, for men to start talking, for, for men to see, um, and women, other options in suicide, you know, because I think op- suicide becomes an option um, because if people... I mean, this is just kind of one one that people don't see it, see any other option, and and they think that you know suicide is is um, a way out, and you know yeah. there are other ways out, you know, and if like you say, we can get the conversation um, between men, you know, where where they can access support or where they can go and and have the, have those conversations, that then it's, it's that kind of awareness that's needed, isn't it? Yeah, and people are worth so much more, you know, even if we don't realise it ourselves, you know, everyone is worth so much more and the contribution they can make to their families or to society and 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 to themselves. Um, so, you know, it's hugely important. And, um, you know, we hope with the Charter that it will save at least one life. We've some really um, impressive partners that have come on as a result of that in terms of promoting the charter and engaging with Zero Suicide Alliance, for instance, with their staff. Um, and, and then there are other partners there as well. So, you know, it, it's huge. And actually, you can have fun doing it. You know, the best description I heard about men's sheds was um, was um, soft play for men. Um, and it's, you know, soft play with a grinder and a <laughs> bandsaw. But it's, um, but it, it, it really is. It's, it's, it's transformational. And most people who go to sheds don't realize 
you know, whether they've been lonely or had mental health challenges or anxiety or anxious and you know, anxiety. But um, and it's only afterwards when we ask the question, you know, were you lonely before you joined the shed? And it might be, well, yeah, actually, I was. And then we get some referrals. Um, there are some people. Some uh, one shed has set up a dementia shed where, on a on one day a week for a couple of hours, people with dementia go along to that, partnered with an Alzheimer's charity. And they contribute to the projects that the bigger sheds doing or make their own as well. And with the support they get, um, that they use power tools. Um, and it's, it, I mean, that's not the norm in most sheds, but as sheds develop and grow, you know, there's over 820 open sheds at the moment, another 200 in development. We're trying to encourage those kind of activities that allow you to keep the culture within your shed, but also have other days. Um, that can support other communities. Um, and it's worth mentioning, you know, the women um, are in a number of sheds, not all sheds. We promote men-only sessions, um, but, you know, if you want to be fully inclusive, and that, that's great. And it, you know, it really does add value in some sheds, and in other sheds it doesn't add value, and it, it causes conflict. And, um, you know, lunch breaks in sheds are very often enforced, and it's to allow those in the shed to talk. And, you know, men will sit back and let some of the weaker ones that don't talk as much, uh, maybe less confident rather than weaker, um, to mm. talk. And so, you know, we did have one shed phone us and say, you know, how do we stop the women talking in our lunch breaks? Because they won't shut up. And I said, well, what, would you do, what would you do if it was a guy? Well, we'd tell him to shut up. And Eddie he used a little bit more coarse language than that. And so I said, well, maybe, you know, can you do that with the women? Absolutely not. So, well, maybe take them to the side and explain that that time is to let everybody speak and it's not to fill the spaces, you know. So let somebody that, you know, is, is lacking that confidence, give them that space to say something. So um, it, it's it's important learning that, that sheds share across, um, across with each other. Um, and that's part of our role is to pass that on. But that's one way of dealing with it. In other sheds, you know, the women are completely understanding, get it and um, do all of these, um, do all of those things as as, as part of, of what they want to do. And there are also women only sessions for sheds as well um, and women sheds. So, you know, it is there as an option. Um, but, but we want to keep men in the title, you know, and, and we get some criticism sometimes, but, you know, if we can't have that conversation by having men in the title around suicide rates, you know, around the fact that there is no male um, health strategy. Um, you know, I, I discovered today that the government's invested in men's sheds, um, which, was, wow. which was interesting because we're fully, fully unaware of that. Um, <laughs> so um, in fairness, they may be doing a pilot somewhere with another shed, but not, you know, we, we've not been informed or, asked uh, for support of that so you know the, the, there is a need um, for investment to support sheds um, but also there's a lot of sharing that goes on between them and 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 to learn that that journey but men you know yes we need that in our title because um, you know the, the health service I think it was the um, mental health forum were, were told that there was no need for a, a men's health strategy because the NHS was written for men well, if, if that's the case, why why is the suicide rate as high as it is? Why, you know, yeah, you know, you know why, why do we have to look at things like um, you know, nine in ten men not wanting to go to the doctor? Um, you know, seventy six percent of suicides being men. You, you know, ridiculous numbers. Um, 
and you know in covid you know you look at what we do for living generally you know so men were hit more um and at every level i understand as well men die earlier than women you know to percentage wise it's not 50 50 Mm. until we get old it's all across the board so um you know we really do need to 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 highlight men and 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 deal with it head on as you would with any any other challenge Absolutely. Um, you know, we don't talk about it. We talk about cancer. We talk about traffic accidents. We don't talk about suicide being the biggest single killer of men. You know, People don't want to talk about it, do they? No. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a dirty subject and people just try and sweep it away. Obviously, what you're doing here is just, to be I, I'm blown away. I, I, I It's absolutely amazing. So, obviously, you, you said you've got 800 sheds currently with, with another 200 in development uh, in yeah. development if somebody listening to this wants to to get involved in, and needs to find or wants to find a, a local shed how do they how do they go about that what would be the best way for them to to find a shed um so the easiest way is our website where we it's um, mensshedsorguk and on there is a find a shed um app um uh, it's it's very close to the front. Find a shed. You type in your postcode, and you press enter. You press search. Sorry, and you have to remember that because I always type in the postcode, click enter. Nothing happens. You have to click on the search button. Um, it's um, it needs changing because of imbeciles like me. Um, and then that will come up with all your local sheds. And also remember that when a shed is in development, it might be that they're meeting anyway as a group. Um, it might be that they're converting a um, church. Um, crypt or a disused church or a disused building somewhere into a shed so already the activity of being a shed is happening um, you might not be able to go there and just turn wooden bowls but you you can you know help shape that shed as it goes forward it could be that that group doesn't have a property but they're going and fixing fences in the community or you know painting um, painting walls for the for the local council so again all of these things are are incredibly beneficial in a in a passive way um it might be that you're not practically minded and you want to just do help do the books or help with recruitment on on part of it and i have to say before i i got this job i went to visit a couple of sheds and i did see a bird table with screws and nails sticking out and i was i wasn't so sure from a from a health and safety for birds um perspective that it would be the best thing in the world but the delight that that person had, and it actually, yeah, yeah that, that had that when they made that was was incredible. Um, they're just like you can undo those <laughs> when they're not looking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. there's something uh, tangible though, isn't it? I think as men, if you've if you've created something and fixed something, there's that sense of kind of pride, isn't there, within men that yeah, I did that, and and you yeah. know, working with your hands, and you know, like you said, conversation happens, you know. Uh, myself and Warren have, have have done it before. You know, we we made a load of um, Christmas trees out of pallet wood one year oh, uh, yeah. in my garage, just just because it was an opportunity to meet up. But you know, I think we had more conversation and and more kind of chat, just yeah. doing and working, and you know, the sense of, they weren't very good and weren't very sellable, but the sense of pride <laughs> and achievement was there. Um, well, yeah. we had a better time than. The when we just go and have a pint, didn't we? It was, yeah. I got loads out of it. It was, I just loved it. Even just sitting there sanding some wood, I thought it was yeah. just therapeutic in itself. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it is. And it's, um, 
you know, and you see that finished product. Um, I mean, it's not, sometimes it's frustrating. Don't get me wrong, and you, you know, but it's you can usually create something out of out of anything. And you know, I remember as a child knocking two blocks of wood together and calling it a boat and showing it to the neighbours and them all humouring me. Um, but it's um, yeah, it, it is incredibly therapeutic. I mean, a lot of the a number of sheds will have safe benches for if they have got members with dementia and that's where the sanding down happens and the yeah and you see their mood lift you see that you know every shed reports about the the, the person with dementia their their mood lifting and then um then um yeah being in a better place so so it, it is incredible and, and i think the difference between this and and you know there are other therapies there's art therapy and um you know and people will just go and paint or make jewellery but I think the difference one of our funders um, told me off once for comparing it to art class and she said well the difference is that if you're in an art class you might be next to Rembrandt or Picasso and then you get downhearted with what you've produced whereas if you're sanding down a piece of wood or making a bird box they're quite simple to or relatively simple even a Christmas tree um, from pallet wood um, to actually create um, <coughs> the thing with pallet wood is to make sure that you take the nails out that's it. That's it. No. Having trod on a couple in the past. <laughs> so, so if yeah. somebody um, wanted to offer up a venue or, or make a donation, um, they can go on the website and do that. Yeah, right? you can go on the website. So there's that. There's also a number of sheds will help um, if somebody's lost a loved one <coughs> that has a shed full of tools. The shed will come and help clear it as well. And those tools will go and help their shed or another shed. So <coughs> they don't... Um, generally sell them on um <clears throat> some sheds then donate to projects in africa um yeah. sometimes those metals are, are, are worth money in africa for you know making tools um you know particularly tough and steel and things so um <clears throat> but generally sheds will lend them to their new sheds setting up next door and then give them to them so um <clears throat> sheds are incredibly generous in terms of supporting each other it's <clears throat> my background sport and one sports club um, wouldn't certainly not share resources given to them um, with a neighbouring club. Um, but in, um, in men's sheds, they'll share an application as well and where they got their money from and what they actually said to help the shed next door because they, they see that benefit as helping everyone. It's, it, really, it does really lack competitiveness, um, whilst there's always competitiveness within the shed of, of what you're making and you know we, yeah. we see some we see some incredible things um created um but generally with humility from the shadows as well yeah no that's that's fantastic it's just an amazing amazing organization i think and you know Thank you. Uh, the work that it's doing is is amazing yeah so well, say, even if you just add one <clears throat> of the stories that you've told us it's a massive success but story upon story of success is it's phenomenal it, it truly, truly is. I, I would recommend anybody get involved. So I think you get so much out of it and you'll be able to give so much back as well. I think it's yeah. just a win-win all round. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, helping the other guys in the shed. It might be that, you know, that you being there enables that shed to stay open that day. And therefore, um, you know, Fred and John, who, who need it for other reasons, are able to fulfil their lives as well. Yeah. And mm. Um, you know, there was great com camaraderie as well over lockdown of them all supporting each other. And, you know, some were able to stay open, particularly after the first lockdowns. Um, but, um, yeah, the, 
tremendous jobs that they're doing. That's, that's great. Yeah, well, I think, you know, thank you for joining us, Charlie. It's It's been an, an amazing experience chatting to you. Um, it's Yeah, you know, I, I did, as Warren said, urge people to go and have, have a look at the website, see what you do, see how they can get involved, um, see how you can donate. Um, if you have a venue to offer up, you know, anything like that. But yeah, thank you so much for your time. It's It's been been great chatting thanks adam thanks warren a pleasure yeah. absolute pleasure hopefully we'll uh, we'll have you on again um and then yeah again thank you so much for that and just a quick reminder to everybody watching i think next week's show we're going to be joined by uh si donnelly and we're going to be talking about a local group called talk yourselves well so again thank you charlie uh it's been amazing and we'll see everybody next week Cheers. Thanks, everyone. Thank Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. The Mindfield Podcast has been presented by the Sanguine Writing House, the UK's leading provider of online mystery and strategy games, along with team training, mental health awareness, and mental health first aid courses. To find out more and to book your course or game, please visit tswh.co.uk.